Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good Thursday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme with Sadie and John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103. Text and WhatsApp is available at 0862 103 103. And I think the entire country uh, shocked to wake to the news that a detective Garda was shot dead in Castle Ray uh, overnight. I can see just in the last few minutes that uh, President Michael D. Higgins coming out and saying that the news has come as a shock to everyone and went on to express his sympathy to the family and friends of the Garda who has been named as um, Colm uh, Horgan. Uh, it's just absolutely shocking. Leo Varadkar says every day our Garda put themselves on on the front line of crime prevention on behalf of uh, all of us. The detective died in a shooting in Castlereagh just before midnight. The incident happened very close actually to the Garda station. It was on the main street of the town. The armed detective is from County Mayo and he was on duty on his own uh, when he was shot and he becomes the 89th Garda to die in the line of duty since the force was uh, founded in 19. 19- uh, 22. It isn't something that we see a lot of, thank God, but it's 89 deaths too many. Uh, so may he uh, rest in peace and see Michael is already texting on this one saying Patricia our sincere sympathies pour out this morning to the family of our Garda who died last night in Roscommon and to all Garda across the country on this cruel, cruel act. It's 40 years ago approximately since two other members of Garda Siakona were shot down not too far from the same area but alas 40 years too soon. It's a very sharp reminder for the general public to the serious nature of the work that our Garda force do on a daily basis to protect us. Our prayers and our thoughts are with them and the families of all those who have lost their sons and daughters serving to protect the people of our uh, state. Thank you for that uh, Michael and uh, he is, this uh, detective is survived by his father his sister and his three brothers who no doubt are absolutely uh, devastated today. So as I say that's what we start our news uh, today with such bad, bad, such shocking and sad news. So let's uh, go to some happier news 
news and something that my apologies I meant to do yesterday. I wanted to offer my sincere congratulations to the Bishop Paul Colton, who has become the longest serving Church of Ireland Bishop of Cork, Cloyne and Ross in 400 years. Uh, Bishop Colton reached the historic milestone yesterday, becoming the longest serving bishop of a diocese since 1672. Isn't that a remarkable, remarkable uh, achievement? And I thought the Lord Mayor of Cork, the new Lord Mayor of Cork, uh, Joe Cavanaugh, who needs to be congratulated on becoming the Lord Mayor of Cork, uh, he paid a lovely tribute when he said, Bishop Colton is part of the fabric of Cork City and he's a wonderful ambassador for our city with a clear love of the area. He has a fantastic sense of humour. He always has a smile on his face and he has a positive effect with everyone he comes in contact with. It comes as no surprise uh, says Mayor Joe uh, Kavanagh that he is as popular as he is and he's terrific. I I follow uh, Bishop Colton on Twitter and he's always great to to tweet. It's, it's, It's something he's taken to really really naturally. So it was wonderful to see so many people congratulating him yesterday on uh, social media and say I meant to do it yesterday but we just got slightly way late and I didn't get around to it. So um, my late greetings to him but well done. Uh, congratulations Bishop Paul Colton who's joined us indeed on many occasions uh, on this programme and on the last occasion we spoke with him it was only on Good Friday when we were in the start really of lockdown. We were coming into Easter and uh, God that seems so long ago now which was only what back in April the ninth, tenth around that uh, in April and uh, that was when we last had him on the, the programme but it's a, it's a terrific achievement and I suppose we also need to congratulate the country as a whole because Ireland's uh, seat on the United Nations Security Council uh, which we won yesterday is going to be used to protect the most fragile nations of the world according to our Taoiseach responding to the historic result. He, he and members of the government praised diplomats in the team who campaigned to secure what is a deemed a prize position. The major diplomatic coup saw Ireland win the seat on the council alongside Norway and it was Canada who uh, lost uh, out. And uh, there was a, a big, big push to win this seat and it went to a vote of other countries and we came in I think second in the vote. We got 128 votes Norway got 130 votes and Canada got 108 and of course there was only two seats um, going and uh, I know a lot of the senior members of the government uh, our own President Michael D. Higgins many diplomats and even you 2 frontman Bono along with the former President Mary Robinson all weighed in behind uh, Ireland's bid so we had that win a seat on the UN Security Security Council so we can something to celebrate and something to congratulate ourselves uh, on. Now yesterday we spoke and we mentioned and there was a lot of commentary in the paper about a drug that is showing to cut the risk of deaths in COVID-19 patients and we had a couple of people contact us to say are we using this particular drug here in this um, uh, country well the HSC they say they're holding back on giving the go ahead for this use of the steroid drug to treat COVID-19. They say at the HSC that they want to wait for further research findings. Now, it's dexamethetrone. It's widely available steroid drug and it has been linked with cutting the risk of death in some severely ill COVID-19 patients. It's been trialled by researchers in the United Kingdom and they have found that giving low-dose treatment with this steroid cut the risk of death by a third 
for patients on ventilators. For patients who were very ill in hospital and in need of oxygen, it reduced their deaths by a fifth. However, the findings from the University of Oxford were released by press release and there remains caution certainly by the HSE, until the full study is published. They want to see the methodology, the outcomes, and uh, they want the whistles and bells report. They're not going on a press release. The HSE is not currently advocating the widespread use of steroids in the treatment of the illness. However, it said it is advising that clinicians be alert and aware of all of the latest uh, information. So they're waiting for more to come out. But it does, I mean, certainly in the United Kingdom, it was really being hailed as a major breakthrough. I mean, we know we're going to have to wait. There will be uh, 18 months, two years, some are even saying, until we have a workable vaccine out. But in the meantime, while we wait for a vaccine to come, it's treatments so that if, God forbid, you get COVID-19, you know that there is a treatment available. And I mean, that's what a lot of scientists are pushing for. And what's really quite exciting about this uh, dextamethetone, uh, it's used in the treatment of various inflammatory and autoimmune uh, diseases. It's, it's cheap as chips because it's off-licence, and I think it works out the amount that they needed to give to the seriously ill patients, both those on ventilators and those who are on o- oxygen, worked at about a, f- a fiver per patient. So it's a very cheap treatment. Uh, and so it would be terrific if the HSE are, are agreeing with what's coming out from the University of uh, Oxford and that we start using it here in this country because certainly we'll see. I mean, I know our, our debts are falling, thank God. But I mean, I think it would be a big, big game changer if we knew that if you were to get COVID-19 and were to become very ill, if you knew that there was a treatment available, I think it would it would certainly ease and it would make things easier, I think, as we come out of lockdown and take the fear factor away from a lot of people. And talking of deaths in this country, there was three more people uh, who were, um, the news came, were um, died from COVID-19 yesterday so 1,710 now is our figure and there was a figure 8 uh, cases of the virus uh, reported so the, the the numbers being reported continue to be low which is certainly good news. Dr Tony Houlihan said that the National Public Health Emergency Team will today uh, meet to discuss the next stage of exiting lockdown before making recommendations to the government. The Health Minister Simon Harris says the R number that measures the average number of people a person with the virus will in fact, that's still low. We need to keep that below one. We are keeping it below one. It's at 0.7. It also emerged yesterday that the HSE is to start weekly testing on nursing home staff from the 22nd of June. Now, that was officially announced yesterday, but we actually had that on our programme on Tuesday when Ty Daly of Nursing Homes Ireland, uh, the they rep- he represents the private nursing homes. He actually mentioned that to us when I asked him, was there any plans to start testing, to start retesting in nursing homes? We know that all staff and residents in nursing homes had been tested, but you don't want to get to a stage where COVID-19 comes back into the nursing homes again. And the, I suppose the one way of guaranteeing it is to continue keep up the testing and Tig said to us on uh, Tuesday that the plan was from next week that the staff at nursing homes were going to be tested because I know some of the staff contacted us who weren't happy to hear about it I mean obviously they wanted to keep themselves and everybody safe but they were somewhat talking about how uncomfortable the test is particularly the swab that they do up the nose people not liking the idea that they're going to have that done if you work in a nursing home it's looking like they're going to have that have that done every single week the idea being them 
if a staff member comes down with it, that particular home then can go into lockdown and everyone can get uh, tested. Uh, and that way we would stop having clusters of uh, uh, cases. And of course, the nursing homes, the reason we were talking about nursing homes this week was several nursing homes have reopened to uh, visitors. Now, it is being strictly regulated, but there it has come with a sense of nervousness by some people who are very fearful of nursing homes open, opening up because nursing homes were one of the first to go into lock, lockdown. Certainly all of the private nursing homes had stopped visitors ever before we went into lockdown and schools start, schools closed. It was done the week before all of that. So they've been in lockdown at the longest and there were many nursing homes right across this country and and in this county who are very proud of the fact that they kept COVID-19 out. They have never had a case of COVID-19. So they would be very nervous of allowing visitors back in so you can understand why all the restrictions are in place. And I know we've already heard from, from some people who, uh, while desperate to get back in and see their loved ones they're not that happy about all the restrictions that have to be put in place but at the end of the day they these are the most vulnerable our highest number of deaths has come from nursing home and residential settings we have got to keep them uh, safe uh, so people are abiding by the rules and regulations they know they have no other uh, choice pubs and pubs serving food in restaurants was the big issue we were talking about yesterday and the 90 minute rule you'd have to get in and get out and get your food done Um, well there's more update on that particular uh, story because there was a lot of intense negotiations went on yesterday and because of that fresh guidelines are to be issued that will allow pubs that serve food to operate with these reduced social distancing uh, guidelines we spoke yesterday about about the the fact that pubs and restaurants would be allowed to reduce the social distancing down to one metre but they would have to limit patrons onto their premises they would have to be in and out within 90 minutes now there was there, the news was met with significant pushback from vintners who argued that it, there just wasn't enough time for people to enjoy a meal or in particular I heard a number of people talk about you wouldn't be able to watch a full soccer match imagine in the dying minutes of the soccer match people being asked uh, to leave so last night it was confirmed that the time limit is to be raised by an extra 15 minutes you now have 105 minutes from when you enter the premises to eat your food, have your drinks and then to uh, leave. And then when the patrons leave the pub or the restaurant, the area they've occupied them, the staff, that would be left vacant for another 15 minutes. That's to ensure that the customers can leave and enter without mixing with the next group that are going to take over that table. And it also gives the staff the adequate time to make sure that the tables have been thoroughly uh, cleaned. So that you add that 15 minutes in to the 105 minutes and that brings you up to two hours and many people yesterday many experts within the restaurant field were saying two hours would work because many tables we already know that restaurants at very busy times will say to people you've got two hours and lots of people go and they have the meals and they're in and out within two hours so then the restaurant industry said they could work with the two hours but Fault Ireland's hour and a half just wasn't enough uh, for them so that's been changed Health Chiefs also want pubs and restaurants that are reopening on the 29th of June to um, 
that everyone must be seated. This is for the pubs who are going to operate as restaurants. Everyone must be seated and they can only have table service so there'll be nobody standing at the bars. We won't, people won't be able to do that until the phase afterwards which will be the 20th of uh, July. They're still sticking with them. It must be a reasonable meal. It has to be at least at nine uh, euro. And there was also another um, change that is going to operate in that when you book, the restaurants will be required to get the contact details of the lead person who's booking the table. Initially, it was believed that everyone who was sitting at the table, that the restaurant would have to the owners or somebody working in the bar or the restaurant would have to get all of the contact details. But that got changed yesterday and instead the pub and the restaurant will only be required to collect the contact information of one person in the group who enters at the premises. And that makes the most sense. I mean, if you're going and you're having dinner with a, with a family or friends of six of you, four, six going out uh, to dinner, you really only need to have one name because if then God forbid they needed to contact you you would know the other people who were in your group you're hardly going to be sitting with a group of random people that you don't know who they are or where they live or want to have a cont- contact detail uh, for them so they've scrapped the idea of having to have everybody in uh, the group restaurants will also be told to uh, reduce or stop the practices of allowing walk-ins so they're going to have to rely on pre-booking uh, only now hoteliers are saying that that could be an implication for them because it means that guests staying in the hotel will now the night before have to be assigned a time slot for their breakfast so you're going to have to decide I'm going to be down ready for breakfast at half eight or at nine or at half nine and you're going to have to decide the night before and you're going to have to turn up on time because there will be a time limit on the amount of time that you can sit for your breakfast uh, as well and the Paul Reid who is the CEO or Paul Kelly sorry so used to saying Paul Reid from the HSE Paul Kelly is CEO of Fault Island uh, he says that these guidelines are intended to provide clarity to businesses so that they can reopen safely on the 29th of uh, June and Fault Island as we mentioned yesterday are describing the plan as a document which means as government restrictions and public health evolve the document evolves to reflect new government advice and changes as protocols when they emerge so what's what's written down now is not set in stone it's there in place but it could change next week and it could change uh, the week after so I think a little bit of some common sense has uh, come in and I think it will make it a little bit easier I think for people going who are planning on going for a meal but I think more importantly it's to try to kick start the restaurant uh, industry they have lost lost out on three months of uh, trade. We're already well into the summer season. Any of those restaurants that are in tourist areas, we know they've lost all the overseas uh, trade. So they're very much going to be relying on domestic trade to give their business any kind of a kick uh, start. And actually later on in the programme, we're going to hear from one of those small restaurants who've decided, even with the the one metre being, being put in place and the two hour uh, limit, it's just not financially viable and they've decided that they've had to close and close uh, for good. And that's just devastating uh, news there for the owners there and for people who loved it's Dylan's uh, restaurant Dylan's in Timaleague and it was a much loved little gem in uh, West Cork so the news when that broke um, earlier this week uh, saddened a lot of people 1850 333 103 Sadie and John Paul take your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 
103. Who's just coming in? The Dame Vera Lynn, the forces sweetheart who raised the morale of so many during the Second World War, has passed away aged 103. The singer's family confirmed uh, she died earlier this morning, surrounded by her close uh, relatives. She was best known for performing for the troops during World War II and she travelled to countries including India and Egypt in the height of uh, the Second World uh, War. Uh, last month she actually became the oldest artist to get a top 40 album in the UK. They re-released her greatest hits and it actually entered the charts at number 30 last month. And actually the Queen uh, referenced Dame Vera Lynn's one of her most beloved songs earlier this year when the Queen was addressing the nation who were, you know, the fact that families and friends had been separated because of the coronavirus lockdown and people were cocooning etc and uh, she referenced Dame Vera Lynn by saying we will uh, meet again and uh, her voice will live on to lift to lift the hearts of generations uh, to come so that's the passing of Dame Vera Lynn Lynn uh, at the age of 103. Uh, may she rest in peace. 1850-333-103. Sadie and John Paul taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0832-103-103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now due to challenges posed by COVID-19, the HSE decided to suspend some of its home support service, which saw people lose their home helps calling to them. It was always said to be a temporary measure and joining me with the latest on this is McCroom councillor uh, Eileen Lynch. Uh, good morning to you Eileen. Good morning Patricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome to the programme. Now you have been in communication with the HSC uh, over uh, this and this caused problems for uh, a number of people. Were you against the suspension of this service firstly? Um, I wasn't necessarily against it insofar as, you know, there was a lot of precautions taken during the COVID period which were necessary. But what I was against was the lack of communication with people who had been receiving that service. So I'm a member of the HSC South Health Forum. So we were advised the 2nd of April that um, a lot of these services will be suspended. Uh, letters when constituents, constituents that contacted me were advised of this on the 3rd of April, um, a lot of them by letter. So there was actually no consultation with them to see as to the level of services they needed or they weren't advised that a consultation was done. So I, I think that was that was my biggest issue with it, that, you know, I was dealing with constituents who hadn't been advised that their services were going to be cut or there'd been a severe lack of consultation with them. Or even asked what would be the effect to your household if, if the services removed. Nobody yes. was asked that. Well... As I said, we were advised um, as public reps that that had happened um, and I followed up again with the HSE advising that constituents had been in touch that this hadn't happened. Um, but I was told, you know, they tried to do it in all cases, but unfortunately that didn't happen because obviously COVID had different impacts in different houses. There were houses, of course, where there were more people at home, there were carers available, mm. but equally there were houses of frontline workers, there were houses of workers that were still working in essential services. So, you know, not all older people had something to make up for the services they were losing. Yeah, and, and I know we heard from some older people who were ac- accessing home help services who were cocooning um, and they felt they didn't want people coming into the house, but they were fearful of giving up their home support in case it would be taken away for good. So when it was suspended, it suited some people once they knew it was going to come back. Yes, 
Um, and, you know, it was important that that element was looked after as well because, you know, there were, of course, a lot of people justifiably who were cocooning and concerned about people coming into their home. But I think if you had better consultation and communication when it was dealt with, those people who didn't want people coming in could have been reassured that this was a temporary suspension. Yeah. And those who were still happy to have people coming into their home or still needed that service could have been dealt with in a better manner. OK, where did the home support workers go instead? If they weren't working out in the community with their clients, where, what, what happened with them? Some of them were redeployed to nursing homes. Um, some of them would have been within the vulnerable categories. Um, so those who were older or those who suffered from an underlying illness who wouldn't have been able to continue work during the COVID period. Um, and some of them weren't redeployed. They were advised that they would be, but they weren't. So their contracts would have been half contracts for that time. Yeah, because I know certainly in the early days we heard from some uh, home helps who said they were willing to go to work, wanted to go to work, but because the service had been suspended, they couldn't go to work and they weren't redeployed to a nursing home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, personally, that was something I found to be very unsatisfactory as well, because I would have reached out to home health providers who would have said exactly what you just said. They were willing and able to go to work. And again, from their point of view, there was very little consultation done with them either in terms of saying, you know, half of your client base has been cut or you're being redeployed or this is what's going to happen with you next. So I think again here, as we, you know, unfortunately see a lot within the HSE, lack of consultation was the big issue. Now, the good news is you're hearing that home helps are being reinstated. Yes, absolutely. Um, So again, I've been in continuous communication with um, the Cork Area Community Healthcare service and they've advised me that all home health services should be reinstated by the end of June. They've already started to reinstate them. Great. Um, and not only will those who are who want their home health again be reinstated, they're also taking new referrals for home health now as well. And just to point out as well, what they're telling me is that they are contacting people. So again, if there are still those who are worry and cocooning, they can opt to, you know, let it go for the moment. Yeah, and just put just freeze it at the moment, but it will come back when it, when everything is is okay. And do you know for sure, Eileen, that people are getting the same amount of hours as they had before COVID nineteen? I don't have that for definite, but that's what I'm being advised by the HSE, okay. and I haven't had any contacts from constituents to tell me otherwise. Okay, okay. So, to the best of my knowledge, there. Okay, and any families who now find themselves in need of home support I mean because obviously the fact that it was suspended people weren't applying for it they now can apply yeah that's what you're saying okay alright okay so it's a, it is it is at the end of the day it's a, it's a good news story and it's, it certainly will be welcomed by a number of vulnerable people who have battled on and have done really well but will be only thrilled to see their home helps uh, come back to them. Okay and Eileen while we have you on and indeed we've been doing it with all uh, elected representatives the fact that we are negotiating or the fact that we are about to move in head into a new government what are your thoughts on uh, your party entering uh, a coalition or do you have an opinion? Uh, personally I'm I'm wary. I have um, looked at the programme for government I think it's a great program I think it's very aspirational I don't know really um, you know there are parts of it that I don't know how realistic they are I suppose a lot of my concerns and those that I'm hearing back from constituents and party members would be in terms of a mistrust of the Green Party in relation to rural Ireland and agriculture however you know the programme for government is quite favourable towards agriculture the feedback that I'm getting from members in 
Cork North West and Cork North Central because my municipal area spans both constituencies is largely negative. Mm. Um, but I, you know, the membership vote on this, I suppose we've the poorest membership representation in so far as from what I can see, Fianna Fáil members and um, Green Party members, it's one man, one woman, one vote. Yeah. Whereas we have a weighted system. So the membership vote is 25%. Um, councillors vote are 15 yeah, you don't have the same impact that that the Green Party members in particular have a, on such a small membership. They have a huge amount of power because they need to get a two thirds majority in order to get it passed. Do, do, would you prefer to have seen Fine Gael have a term in coal in opposition? Go, come out of government completely? Um, I think, you know, that may have been in the best interest of the party because you know, we've been in government since 2011 um, and that is a feeling that was reflected by a lot of members. But, you know, you don't run in politics or you don't get involved in politics to sit on the back benches. You know, you, you run for election because you want to govern, because you feel you have something to contribute. So in that regard, I think there is an obligation on us to want to go into government because... If we don't want to go into government, we're at the wrong game. Well, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. It's a, it's a good point. And looking at the opinion polls, I mean, certainly the opinion poll that came out uh, last weekend, a really positive opinion poll for Fine Gael and for Leo Varadkar in particular. And I know people were talking about the COVID uh, bounce. Would you would you consider another election? Um, I I don't know if there's an appetite for that in the mm. country. I think it would be something that would be extremely difficult to do at the moment as far as, you know, we're still very much on the edging out of COVID phase. We're not through it. Um, So if there was to be an election, it would be different to any kind of election we've ever seen in this country before. Um, I think for the moment, it's important that we would continue to try and form a government because one is necessary. And we're coming to a stage with government in that, you know, we need new legislation to be passed. Mm. So we need a properly constituted government for that. Um, I think, you know, the option of an election is always being floated around, but I don't necessarily think it's in the best interest of the country to have an election at the moment. Yeah, and, and I think you're so right. I don't think there's any appetite out there for uh, an election uh, either. OK, listen, Eileen, thank you for that. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is bye. Um, bye-bye, um, McCroom Councillor uh, Eileen Lynch joining us with what certainly is a piece of good news from the HSC, and that is the uh, the general restoration of services for home helps and everybody should have their home help. All the service should be reinstated by the end of June. And obviously that's for those that want to have their home help hours back. I would be, I'm I'm assuming there are still some people who are cocooned, still continuing to cocooning, are not allowing people into their home um, and are, you know, continuing and they're doing okay. Uh, And if you are in that group, I mean, you just need to, make uh, contact with your home help provider and I'm sure and, and we know everything will be okay and that when life returns to normal your home help hours will return but for those that are waiting on it it certainly is good news that the service should be restored to everyone by the end of June 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103 
Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now, with the majority of shops now reopened, the banks say that cash withdrawals have more than halved in recent weeks as consumers are embracing contactless payments. So, to offer words of advice on how to protect yourself when shopping using a card rather than cash, I'm joined by Raluca Sicanu, who is General Manager of Smart Tech 247, which is a Cork-based cybersecurity uh, company. Good morning to you, Raluca. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you are welcome to the programme. Do you believe Do you believe using car payments is actually safer than using cash? I do. Um, of course, we all know that cash is by far the most vulnerable to theft. And credit cards are protected against unauthorized transactions or unsuccessful transactions, which is an option that is not available to users of cash. Um, it's, of course, important to uh, understand that using credit cards online comes with risks. So um, as, a, as a general tip, it's important to do the research in advance of, of uh, paying online for items and to only buy from trusted sources. And I'm assuming credit and debit cards, I mean, uh, the companies, they invest very heavily in security technology. The banks, of course. Yeah, yes. yeah. And so now, when you're out shopping in, and you're using your card out in shops on the high street, protecting your PIN number, I mean, that's something as individuals we all need to do. Correct. Nowadays, of course, we have the option of paying... Um, with uh, contactless methods, right? And they, I think they've raised that to maximum of 50 euro. So it's very easy to just tap your card, pay and go. Now, you do have to still keep your card secure um, because um, there are options now that, or let's say there are methods of committing fraud where, um, you know, they're using some systems whereby if they walk quite close to you, they can still access your card if it's held in your pocket, for example, and tap it and steal money. But that's only limited to 50 euro. And if you do need to use uh, or need to pay for bigger um, uh, amounts, then it's important to protect your PIN. And then for shopping online, Raluca, what, what are the top tips to protect against those fraudsters? So as I said before, the first thing you need to do is conduct your research. Should only buy from trusted sources, uh, shops and brands that you're familiar with. We would also advise people not to click on links or adverts from social media because some of these could be fake. Instead, you should go independently onto the website offering the deal, which will ensure you that you're not shopping on a fake website. Another tip is not to save your payment details on the merchant site. Um, a lot of people would be familiar with this. Whenever they shop for something, there's an option at the end to save your details for future um, payments. Kind uh, of makes it. I think people people think, "Oh, this is great because it makes it easier for the next time I'm going to shop." Yeah, there's a small problem with that because you 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 place your trust and your details into these sites, which can be breached um, at any time. So it's important not to save these details on on the site. Okay. Also, it's important to use a secure website um, to look for the padlock symbol onto the URL and also the S. Um, it's usually as HTTPS. The S stands for secure. 
Okay, and on a fake one, you, you, you won't have the, everything will look, everything can look so right on a fake one, but they're the telltale ones, the S won't be on it, and that little padlock sign is never on it. Correct, correct. Usually when you click on the padlock symbol, you're able to see a little bit more information about the security on that site. And are there many fake shopping apps and, and sites out there? Oh, for sure. Um, especially on Google Play Store, there's many apps for Android phones that are fake. Um, they offer really good deals and um, all you need to do is download them onto your phone and then uh, look for the items and pay for them. Um, there's many of them that are fraudulent, yes. So it's really important not to download these apps and to always double check, you know, where are the apps coming from? Is it Are they legitimate Um are they perhaps asking too many details they shouldn't be asking? We we have very strict EU GDPR uh, rules, uh, Raluca. Are all yes. companies abiding by those rules? Because some people are nervous about the amount of information that a company might have on you. Unfortunately not. Um, the, the more known companies... Um, uh, that offer online payment and such would abide by them because they they have very strict re- internal regulations in place. But there's many websites that don't abide by the rules and do save a lot more details on personal um, on on citizens like personal data that they shouldn't. Um, so it's it's really important that the users understand that. First of all, we shouldn't be giving out the details, uh, such as, for example, if you're paying for something that um, uh, something digital, they shouldn't be asking for our home address. You know, if mm. you're paying for a digital book, you shouldn't have to give your home address unless it's for the purposes of ensuring that the information is the same as on your card. So it's important to, you know, be vigilant and ask yourself questions. Yeah, why? Do why am I the exactly? Yeah, and why why am I being asked it? And uh, Linda wants to know, should you use different passwords for different accounts? Yes, password security is really, really important. It's important to maintain password hygiene, as we call it. So that means if you have, let's say, if you have a password for your banking account, it's really important not to use that same password for different accounts. Because what happens is, a lot of people use very simple passwords for their email addresses, and then they tend to use the same password for their bank, the same password for their Facebook accounts or other social media accounts. And if a hacker gets hold of your uh, email ag- account password, they can use that to reset other accounts. So it's important to use different passwords for different accounts. And would you change them very often? Yes, um, I mean, it's, it's not easy. Uh, many people don't change them for years. So yeah. What we recommend is changing them at least six, every 60 days. What? Um, yeah, or, you know, if, if, that's, um, if that's too often, at least twice a year. Okay. All right. Good words of advice, uh, Raluca. Thank you for that. And Thank uh, for thanks for me. joining us. Uh, good morning to you, uh, Raluca Sakanu there from Smart Tech 247. Court today. Court today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. We're talking about home help and home support and how good news coming from the HSC that there is a phased restoration of services has uh, commenced 
and we're told the vast majority of clients will have their home help service uh, reinstated and they're hoping to have the service back up and running by the end of June. A listener says, I'm a home carer and some of my clients are literally still afraid to let us into their homes because they're so fearful of COVID-19. We still have a lot of people who are deciding themselves to cocoon and are staying in uh, doors. Uh, and the one thing that we are hearing from the HSC uh, that people who decide to opt for that when, we, when life does get back to normal and the that they are they feel comfortable about allowing people into their homes that their home help hours will be reinstated once they're ready but for the actual worker themselves the home care worker I don't know will you be redeployed to uh, other homes to make up the hours because we do know that the HSE are currently accepting new referrals for homes, home support services and for home help hours so you may get just transferred to other houses uh, instead. But yeah, we are aware of that. Would, and would love to hear from other people who's, whose home help is back with them and whose hours have been uh, reinstated. If uh, you want to tell us about that, please contact us, 1850 Now, later on in this hour on our crime file for this week, Garda James O'Malley from Bandon Garda Station will be joining us. And one of the issues that James wants to discuss today uh, is to do with pets being stolen. Now, remember last week, we had Dennis from Drum Collar heard that man who just had it, he was in tears and he had everybody in tears listening to him talking about his kennels being broken into and um, like a lot of expensive dogs were taken from Dennis and it was just heartbreaking to listen to him because he's been raising these dogs and he really loves his dogs and and he's decided he's just going to give up. He just can't do it anymore. And just the fear factor of somebody coming into his yard and actually stealing his dogs. Well, Chloe joins me from Clondrohet because she's had an incident that's happened with her much-loved dogs this week. Good morning to you, Chloe. Hi, how are you? Now, what? This was one night this week, was it? Uh, Monday night. Monday yeah. night. What happened? Um, between the hours of half 11 and 9.30 the following morning, some Someone came into our yard and they broke down our gate and they took our three dogs and two standard poodles, cream coloured, and their sisters, they've been together since they were born, like, and they're just about a year old and they also took my whippet and she's brindle coloured with white going through her and um, I have her, she's she's six years old, I have her five years and... And, and and definitely somebody broke in. It wasn't that the dogs just wandered off. No, they had to have broken in because they broke down our gates um, because they were padlocked, you see, um, and they broke down the gates and they took our dogs. Has, did anybody see anything? Did anybody hear anything? There was supposed to be um, a white transit van have travelled that road because um, it's a very quiet road. Um, and especially at night, um, around Tempest Tree in the morning. Um, now the Gardaí have been looking at CCTV footage for us, um, but we just have had no update. Yeah, and to lose much-loved pets, uh, Chloe, I mean, really, really upsetting. It is. It's distraught. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm distraught and so is my partner. Um, and I've only just had a baby less than three weeks ago. So oh. Everything together. There's, an, there's enough going on in, in the household. Your your whippet is 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 neutered. She's neutered, yeah. Okay, and the poodles? They're not neutered, no. Okay, um, and you contacted the guardy. We contacted the guardy, um, and they came out and they took pictures of our yard and they, of you know the evidence, we'll say, um, and 
we haven't had hard updates from them. Um, but we did have some bit of hope this morning um, at the pound in Kerry. Um, I think it's centrally they rang us to say that they scanned a dog and it came back in my partner's name um, and it's a poodle. So we hope it's, it's her. Um, and also the, there was a whip at Witter and, and where we're going back now, as I speak to you, we're, we're leaving soon to go back to, oh. to identify them. Um, See, because they're your dog's microchips? They are, yeah. Oh, so, all, all three of them? Yeah. Um, no, there's still one missing if if, if two of them are in, in the pound. And um, there's still one female poodle missing. Um, but we've notified all the ports in Ireland and the UK um, just for fear that they, you know, they'd be shipped to England or something. Um, we've done our best to notify as much people as we could, and people on Facebook have been so kind. You know, it's it's gone viral. Yeah. And how did the oh yeah the pound and Kerry uh, picked it up because they they scanned it and that, that's the, the the importance of microchipping, Chloe. That's it exactly. I'd advise every pet. It's, it's illegal actually not to have your dog yeah. microchip. But I'd advise everyone to have it and just have the correct paperwork to follow them because, you know, hopefully other owners will track down their dogs, you know. Have you, when the pound rang you, did they give you any details of where they found the dogs? Nothing, no. Um, It it was my partner, they rang, but we're going back to identify them, I suppose, you know, that's all we can do for now. And maybe when we get there, they'll tell us where they picked them up or... Yeah, and you could and you could check that area and just to see where the other poodle is. Yeah, exactly. And was the whippet found with the poodle? She was. Yeah. That's oh, that's definitely two. Where's the third yeah. one? I know that's the thing. Yeah. Because there was a big, because I was thinking that maybe it was one of your dogs, but it can't be now if yours have turned up in Kerry. There was a seizure of dogs. Um. Over yesterday in the Gronabraha Nachnahini area, twenty-two dogs have been seized there with the yeah. the ISPCA because we're trying to get onto Dennis and Drumcolour, who joined us last week, in the hope that some of these dogs that have been found in this area might be might be his, could be some of his. It's just so upsetting, though, when 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 this happens. We also are doing our we were doing our best to help out another local family who a little autistic boy and his much loved. A uh, little dog. Uh, it was a cocker spaniel, wasn't it, or King Charles? Charles, well, I heard that. Yeah, that was stolen as well. You know, what a gurrier would do that. You know, I know. Again, a fence broken to get in, and the dog was taken. I mean, you think you you have your dogs in in your garden in your yard, and you think I mean you have, you had padlock gates. You you know yeah. what more can you do? Yeah, exactly. Um, I just advise everyone to keep their pets in because no matter how how good, you know, or bad the guardian will help you or, you know, p- people, you know, on Facebook sharing things, there's still dogs that will never be found and just not to give them the opportunity in the first place. Um, and the microchipping, the microchipping yeah, is the thing, yeah. vital. It's absolutely vital because there's no way you would you would have even considered that your dog could have been down in Kerry, uh, yep. and without the microchip, you're you're going to get reunited. Will you let us know later for sure, Chloe, that it is your it is your two okay. dogs, and 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 let's fingers crossed that when you get down there, all three of them might be there, and they yeah, and that they'll exactly. all be fine, and that they'll all be fine. Okay, listen, safe safe travels to you, and 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 come here. How is how is baby? He's good. Yeah. Is he is he good? And you and you're doing well as well. 
I am, yeah. Right Get in there now, yeah. Okay, you look Thank after you. yourself, okay? Thank you so much. All right, God bless, Thank God bless. Bye bye. That is uh, Chloe in uh, Clondrohert with her dogs. Hopefully, hopefully, all three have been uh, found. You just please need to be. And I don't know what more people can do. I mean, people are doing the best that they can on these. Gorriers decide that they want to rob dogs, but of course, we have to end the trade. They know they can make money from these dogs. We have to, people have to be very aware of where they're buying their dogs from and knowing who the breeder is and making sure that the dog is bred properly and more than anything, making sure that that dog wasn't uh, stolen. I think everyone has a role to play in that. And I can see a couple of people um, asking about that little dog, Ginger, the little with the little autistic uh, boy. Uh, people asking, was it found? No, no, unfortunately, uh, it hasn't been uh, found. Um, and someone is saying why are so many of these dogs been stolen it's so sad why are they been stolen because they're making money these people are making money out of it that's why what Chloe did notifying all of the ports and, and whatever and last week there was a story on the paper of the guards they just happened to stop someone I don't know if they were stopped for speeding or was it just a checkpoint was it a COVID-19 checkpoint or was it a checkpoint you know where they stopped for tax and insurance and they were just talking to somebody in the car and they happened to hear whimpering or barking in the back of the van and they said oh it's in the back of your van they opened it up and there was a load of dogs in the back of the van which they d- subsequently discovered were stolen and it was it was just luck that they managed to track down those dogs so they can make money they can sell on these dogs I mean some of the ads that you'll see on uh, some of the you know the, the classified ads online and they'll you know advertise a dog and the famous one is that when you go to collect the dog and when you go to look for the address to collect the dog Nine out of ten times they'll use the same story of, oh, you'll never find my house. I live in the wilds of nowhere. I'll meet you in a car park and they'll meet you in the car park of a local supermarket or they'll meet you at a garage to hand over the dog. Be suspicious straight away because any genuine breeder will never, ever ask to do that. A genuine breeder will let you come to see where the dog has been raised so far. In, in the, you, you should actually go and see the dog beforehand with its mother uh, and then you'll know that you're getting a dog from a genuine breeder. So there's there's a trade out there uh, and unfortunately while well, we can all do our bit in this country there's a number of them do get shipped across over to England and there's a huge trade in, in those dogs over there as well. I, but I don't know how people are buying dogs without papers. I mean if you're going to spend and it can be big money spent on a lot of these dogs I don't know do they get into forging the paperwork uh, as well uh, but as I say we will be covering it on our guard the file in this hour on the programme 1850 some of your texts in morning Patricia I'm wondering did you see Nationwide uh, yesterday evening uh, it was scary it was a family of four who all got COVID-19 in Waterford I hope people would listen and adhere to the uh, guidelines I didn't actually see it uh, yesterday and it's 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 interesting that it's come from Waterford because Waterford is one of the counties that's done really well they've had very few uh, COVID-19 they're one of the, the counties that their numbers are very very low and I talking of numbers just to always you know, well I like to do my best for COVID-19 to get as much of the positive news out there as possible this is from Paul Reid of the, the HSE one of the one of the HSE guys that we've got to know so well from the HSE press uh, briefings and the Neffet press briefings and the latest uh, figures coming out from this morning uh, he's saying that the 99.2% of people who were tested in the last seven days did not test positive 99.2% 
25% testing negative. We have 21 patients in ICU. Uh, that's down 87% from the peak of 160. And there are 50 confirmed patients in hospital. That's down 94% at uh, the peak when we had 879 people in, in hospital. He was just tweeting about that in the, in the last couple of hours. And he says, we can do this. Um, and we can. We can all do it. But it's as the country opens up, we need to the social distancing and the hand hygiene and the cough etiquette and all of that. There's so many little parts uh, to it. Uh, Hi Patricia, I can't wait to get to a bar and sit down and watch a good football match with a few pints. I miss it so much. Surely with the one metre rule they can sort that out sooner rather than later because as of now you've got to wait until the 20th of July to do that unless you can find a bar that's serving food but you won't be able to sit up at the bar you're going to have to sit at a table and eat while you're watching your football match if not you're going to unfortunately have to wait until the 20th of July uh, This is Tim and Mallow says I'm sick of cutting grass and painting <laughs> So, much, so oh, There's only so much grass cutting and painting that you can do um, Tim hang in there hang in there we're getting there we're getting there slowly but surely and Mary's disciple Patricia it'll be great to have our churches back up and open for masses again but I have a great concern says Mary about the dangers of receiving communion and receiving communion safely priests will of course disinfect their hands correctly but then as they hand out communion they have to touch one hand while placing the communion on it surely there must be another way I won't says Mary be receiving communion unless they do something like use the special tweezers and then drop it onto the person's hand communion must be dropped onto a hand without touching another hand and thus keep everybody safe. It will cause new clusters of COVID-19 otherwise and it could lead to a lot of older people contracting what is a deadly, deadly disease. Patricia, please alert uh, people to my concern and I know there's great work going on within individual parishes some have already reopened for private prayer but the big push now is to get people back into Mass again I mean I saw on the news yesterday one church up the country are going to issue tickets to people you get a ticket to come to Mass and if you have a ticket you'll get in first and those that don't have have a ticket will have to wait and then they'll see how many people turn up and that's obviously for social distancing I've seen the recommendations for the handing out of communion because it won't just be the priest it'll be the Minister of the Eucharist as well and they've been told that they have to you know hand sanitise in front of everyone so that everybody in the church can see the person has clearly uh, washed their hands and they won't be giving communion into the mouth obviously and communion will be will be dropped onto the hand but Mary's concern is that when they drop the communion will they touch the other person's hand and uh, and is there a danger there tweezers doesn't sound like a bad idea I wonder is that something that the church has looked at I certainly saw something come out of Italy when Italy started to open I saw a mass in Italy and they had this it was like a dispenser um, it was like a tall it almost looked like it was in silver or gold and the priest was holding it and he clicked on the side held it over the person's hand clicked on the side and a host dropped out no, so there was no touching at all I mean other than obviously the priest would have filled would have hand sanitised and filled this container with the host but as he handed it out to people he just held this 
container over the it was a tall like a cylindrical container held it over the person's hand clicked the side of it and the host dropped out onto the person's uh, hand and I thought what a clever idea but I haven't seen it being used anywhere else it has certainly been used in one church uh, in Italy and uh, Mary I don't think you'll be on your own people would be very nervous even about going back into the church uh, for Mass and I think you you probably you won't be on your own as the only person not going up for uh, Holy Communion 1850 333 lines open C103 Jobs Office assist there in Charleville they're looking for an experienced bookkeeper slash office administrator you need to have experience in Sage and Big Red Cloud staff nurse required for relief work plus one day per week it's to cover maternity leave in August in St. Gublin's nursing home in Ballyagram. Experienced retail assistant is required for a busy service station on the Bandon Road that's in Bishopstown and CE Tree Services. They're looking for a chainsaw operative with own transport for work in Cork City and in the West Cork uh, areas. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And just on the theft of dogs that we've been dealing with this hour, we got back onto Dennis and Drumcaller. Remember poor old Dennis who joined us last week was very upset about his dogs being stolen. He hasn't heard anything yet with uh, regard to his dogs being found. So we don't know if the dogs that were seized yesterday in Gronabroh or Nakhnahini, we don't know. Uh, it's 22 dogs in total. We don't know if any of them, maybe some of them are Dennis's, but he hasn't heard anything. Uh, yet and then Chloe was talking about when her dogs were stolen there was a white transit van seen in the early hours of the morning that they believe may have been uh, involved um, a number of people are saying that it te- that their text alert services the community text alert services across the county that over the last few days there's been the warning about a zero Y it's an awfully reg white van which is going around and calling into the yards of homes and it is believed that that van is involved in the theft of dogs so keep a lookout for a white van with a zero Y reg and if you see it acting suspiciously please contact your local guard the station. Now the trickle of famous Cork restaurants announcing they will not be reopening on June the 29th is in danger of turning into a flood after yet another establishment has confirmed they are closed for good. Richard Mills of Dylan's of Timaleek joins me to explain why he has made this decision to uh, close. Good morning to you, Richard. Hi. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm well, I'm well. Listen, you're considered one of the real gems in uh, West Cork. Was this a really tough decision for you to make? Um, it was, yeah, it was. I mean, it, it's something that, you know, I, I open the restaurants um, to offer, you know, particular experience to people and, uh, you know the fact that it was taken out of my own hands. You know the closure really. Um, you know because we we just didn't have a choice. It's just it's too small a restaurant for us to be able to um, operate under the restrictions that are coming in. How many how many tables do you have? How many do you seat? Well, we we could seat twenty. Okay, and, uh, with and it was just, sorry. Even with the one, the two meter going to one meter. I mean. For us, it would still not, you know, our room, it's, we only have, literally have one room um, and it's a, it's a very small space and, and the, the tables were quite close together. Um, and, you know, operating a restaurant like that with, with 20 people, you know, you need those 20 people to be in. Uh, you need every seat full um, because, if, you know, if, if you don't, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. You know, there's no buffer there. 
Yeah, and your kind, your type of restaurant, uh, Richard, is more than somebody just going out for a meal. You're offering an experience. Yeah, well, that's you know that that's what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I, I think we we have a little garden at the back where we were growing a lot of our own produce. You know, myself and my partner were running it. I was in the kitchen, um, and she was out front. And it was generally just the two of us. We you know we'd get uh, someone to help us the odd time if we got very busy. Um, you know, but I, I I just feel like offering that kind of experience. It's a very one-on-one kind of experience for the customer. Uh, you know, to be able to eat vegetables that have been picked, you know, kind of yeah. 20 minutes, half an hour before they're cooked. Um, you know, it, there's very few places you can get that kind of experience. Uh, so it was, it was that, that was it. And it's going to change, you know, the experience, what we offer would have to change. And, and I suppose for me, it's not really what I, what I wanted to do, you know, in, in, in the long run. And how long have you been operating from Dylan's? Um, since 2015. And how was it going? It was going very well, you know. I mean, and it, it, it was kind of a pity because we, we, you know, obviously we'd had a, a loan to open up um, at, at the very beginning uh, and it was only at the end of last year that we managed to kind of clear all that. So oh. this year was going to be the, the, the year where we'd, you know, where we'd make it all up and then, you know, we opened after the winter and we had our first weekend done and then, you know, we got shut down. So the investment that we put in to reopen was quite big, um, and then to do this, to do it again uh, and risk the same thing happening, you know, we we just couldn't do it. We, we we it just didn't make sense because we were going to be losing revenue. Like I say, we were already kind of operating at a, at a very baseline, so we couldn't really go backwards in any way. I mean, if we were even to lose ten percent of our business, uh, you know, it just wouldn't it wouldn't make any sense for us. I, and I saw when you put up the news on, you announced it on on, on social media. Um, talk to me about how your customers have received the news. Uh, they've, uh, look, they've been very, you know, it's been we've been getting lots of kind of personal messages from people because, like I say, it was a very personal experience, you know. And you dine in a lot of restaurants and you're served um, by someone who's uh, just employed, where it's very different if you know that the like everything that was in the kitchen, I, I did myself. You know, there was nothing that my hand hadn't touched. Every plate that left the kitchen was, was put put up by me. Every plate that was served to the customer was served by my partner. You know, it, it, it's that, I suppose, the personal touch that, that, that the people loved. And, that, you know, we're getting just so many. It's just a, an outpouring of, of support. And it's just really nice. Yeah, and it's hard, you know. but it's heartening for you. Uh, you know, at, at what is a very sad and a difficult time, but... I was reading down through some of the comments. I was just, oh God, this is just great. Just to show how, how appreciated you were. And, you know, this this time will pass. There will be something else for you and Valerie. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Look, I mean, uh, like I've, I've been doing this since I was 15. That's all I know. So, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I want to be doing it. I want to be able to do it again. And I'm sure I will. You know, I'm sure, some, you know, when a vaccine comes for this, you know, they're, they're able to operate with, with this um I think we'll definitely do something else. You know, it's 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 what I want to do. It's just we have to wait and see. You know, it, it would be crazy for us to go into something now and just not knowing what, what's happening really because I think, to be fair, you know, the government don't know. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. What's happening? And, and the, way, the way the information is, is getting to the public, you know, it, it, it wouldn't inspire confidence you know, to, to, to make a decision like that, to make any business decision, really. Um, well, even yesterday when we were discussing the Fault Ireland recommendations on the, the 90 minutes and the amount of people in restaurants who were saying that they just, just can't work and then they changed their minds and they added an extra 15 minutes onto it. And that was, I had that sense last night going, how is this instilling confidence in people who are trying to get back into business and they just seem to be moving the goalposts? Yeah, I mean, this is it. Like, it, it it just seems crazy to me. I, either what they're implementing or what they want to implement is is for people's safety, or it isn't. You know, if it's for people's safety, then that's what needs to be done. But if they say, okay, this is this is this is a safe distance, this is a safe amount of time, and then someone lobbies them, and they're suddenly going, all right, okay, well, we'll shorten the distance and extend the amount of time. You're kind of thinking, well, what what was what they announced in the first place? Was that actually safe, or you know, was that them being overly cautious? Or do they actually have no idea what they're talking about? You know, because it seems to me like they, they genuinely don't know what they're talking about. You know, they're going against the WHO guidelines. It, it, yeah, it, it doesn't instill confidence at all. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's unfair. It's unfair on businesses that are trying to get back up uh, um, and uh, running. And, you know, we, we're, we're unfortunately getting a list of, of restaurants who are not going to uh, reopen to, do you think yours is not the last? We there, there will be more. It's just it's trying to make it financially viable. Well, this is the thing. I mean, you see, this is again because no one knows what they're opening into. You know, so a lot of people are taking, and a lot of small restaurants in West Cork even are taking a huge risk reopening. Um, you know, because because the, the amount of it costs to reopen and restock a restaurant. You know, you're talking wine stocks, you're talking food stocks. You know, you're talking paying your rates, getting your you know, and it's not a very profitable industry at the best of times. And so these people are taking a huge amount of risk reopening, and I think fair play to them. You know, I think it's absolutely amazing. And you know, if it wasn't for people like us to, to, to do that, you know, we wouldn't really have a tourist industry down here because you know every restaurant in, in West Cork is, is everyone that works restaurants in West Cork is working you know absolutely flat out yeah. to make it work, and, and you know none of them are making a, a killing off this. And the real worry this year is we don't have the overseas trade. Yeah, I mean that's like that's another thing for us. Usually, because our, a lot of our business would have come from overseas, it would have been most American tourists, uh, and they're just not. They're not going to come. And the same thing with festivals. You know, even for the village of, of Timaleague, there's a fantastic harvest festival um, every year.
here and you know it draws so many people and I would say a lot of the businesses in Timaleg would carry themselves through most of the winter on that business yeah. and, you know that's just not going to be there and I'm just kind of thinking how how are places like this in rural Ireland going to survive um it's going to be incredibly difficult for the next uh, the next number of years or until they come up with a vaccine and scrap all of this um social distancing Okay, well, listen, uh, Richard. Uh, let us know what you when when your new venture takes off. Uh, we certainly would love to chat with you again and uh, to yourself and and uh, Valerie. Look after yourselves. That's the most important thing that you both stay safe. But thanks a million for taking time out to join us and talk to us today. You're, you're welcome. Appreciate it. Good morning. Good morning. That is uh, Richard Mills of uh, Dylan's of Timmy League. Sadly, sadly breaks my heart to see a small business like that go but they've made the decisions just not financially viable for them to reopen 1850-333-103 lines open. You're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Cork Today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 and we are going to uh, abandon Garda Station for this week's Garda Fire where I'm joined by uh, Garda James uh, O'Mahony. Good morning to you, James. Good morning, uh, Patricia. On what is a shocking, shocking day for every single member of the Garda Siakana. You're very much like a family, even though you're positioned all over the country. When you lose one, you, each and every one of you really feel it, James. We do indeed, and uh, there's a, a, a cast of gloom around here, Bandon, I can assure you today, uh, uh, Patricia, and uh, it is a very, very sad occasion. Um, I've been doing the programme here, which you know, with um, 30 years or so, and uh, it is always sad when one of our own uh, is, 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 is passed on in, in such um, in the line of duty. Um, he's the 89th member of Angada Shikana today. Uh, this time, perhaps around 12 hours ago, that man was on duty um, in Castle Ridge, um, uh, Patricia, and little did he know what would be ahead of him. And it's all, I suppose, all members of the Garda Shikana. It's a, an everyday uh, thing that when you go out, you're not sure, you know, it's in the back of your mind, I suppose, but you're not sure uh, how, what will happen, what will happen, where it will happen. And uh, it, it's, it's part of the job. It is, quite, at times, a quite dangerous job. And mm-hmm. um and it is very, very sad. He, he had 24 years service. Yeah, in, and, you know. and and uh, uh, did, uh, Detective Guard uh, Colm Horkin. That's um, right. Yeah, Colm Horkin. Uh, yeah, and I know uh, he's survived by his uh, father, his brothers, and he's got one sister. It's just right, for that right. poor... I I was thinking when I heard it this morning, I was thinking of that family getting that... that His dad getting the knock on the door. Just, God almighty, sure. It, it, uh, Patricia, it's a nightmare beyond a nightmare for yeah. anyone like to, to, you know, to hear, hear, hear such news. And uh, I suppose the the good thing about it here this morning, I was talking to local super here, Brendan Fogarty and the Chief Superintendent Con Kerrigan here, and they both have said the amount of calls they've got, and I've got a couple myself of, 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 of the public, and that's a great sense of um, comfort to us, I suppose, really. And just to let you know, Patricia, as well, we just announced there that uh, there's a book of condolences being set up here at Bandon Garda Station, at Clannacilty Garda Station, at McCroom Garda Station, and Bantry Garda Station this morning. So anyone in those areas, and I'm sure there'll be other Garda stations. Uh, following suit. That's a lovely idea. Suit. That's a lovely idea. And people can go in and uh, social distancing and all of that, but people can That's sign right. the book of, of condolences. Yeah, they'll be in the public offices and the social Okay. All right. Well we, well, we think of Colm. Um, he rest in peace. And, yeah, rest uh, in peace. and uh, for his poor, his poor family. 
Okay, and today today on the programme, an issue that we've been actually dealing with um, only today and have been dealing with over the last few weeks. And James, this is the issue of pets and in particular dogs being stolen. That's right, Patricia. Now, throughout Ireland, uh, James O'Donovan um, uh, was just telling me yesterday there, the Crime Prevention Officer, that throughout Ireland, actually, there's been pets being taken, especially pet dogs. And in West Cork, we had one such case there in the Clandrohead area there three or four days ago, the Clandrohead area of McCroom, where three dogs were actually taken, Patricia. So it's, 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 uh, it, there's obviously people out there going around targeting pets and targeting for especially dogs, uh, 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 dogs of all breeds, actually. And uh, they're taking them and, and obviously selling them on as well, you know. So uh, just to be aware of that, that it's, uh, it's and, and it, it has happened in the past as well, of course. Yeah, and I know we had, there was a dog seized during an operation in Cork City yesterday. 22 dogs were, right. were seized. And the advice coming from the Garda Shikona in, in the city is for people who have particularly high value breed of dogs. You know, they suggest like CCTV. Absolutely. Mm. Yes, especially. And there are, there are some very, very valuable valuable dogs, valuable dogs to farmers, for instance, for sheep dogs and all that. And they're, 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 they're for work as well. And, you know, you can even have dog, blind dogs. And there's so many different forms. Dogs are such a vital, vital animal that it, it would be advisable to have, in, in case like that, uh, some form of CCTV. Yes. OK, there's a suspect van you want to draw attention to. There, that's right. There, there's a, there, there was a suspect van there around. It, it's a blue van, a 10 OY, or sorry, white van, 10 OY. Now, it's been seen in the Tim League area. Uh, McCroom area and Kinsale area there in the last few days. So anyone that there's a text message can also post to different forms of community alert. So anyone that has information on that or it's a 10 OY, it's a white van. Okay, and you're always thankful to listeners who pass on information to you? Absolutely. Well, you know, in this case, we'd like to thank uh, members of the public uh, in Kinsale for information uh, provided regarding a fire and dumping of illegal uh, uh, rubbish, you won't believe it. In, in two cases of illegal rubbish in Kinsale recently where uh, people, and this may be respect of the COVID and all that as well, where they're dumping rubbish. And um, but, but on, on both cases, members of the public came forward and both cases, uh, corporates had been Brilliant. found for it. And indeed, another case in where there was a vacant house fire and they got some, they got great comfort. I was, uh, uh, great information altogether. I was in Kinsale Gallery Station this morning and they were telling me, the members there, that they, they really appreciate the amount of uh, good support that the public uh, have got. Um, just on that, just before we go to dinner, to, 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 we'll talk a bit about domestic abuse there, uh, Patricia, as well, that the Gardaí uh, just got something in there as well, Patricia, that the Gardaí and the Bank of Ireland are warning of a scam. Basically, they receive uh, a text, people are receiving a text to say their uh, bank card has been skimmed and, and uh, deactivated. They tell you to go to a false Bank of Ireland website, false, and follow the steps as to as to give your credit card number and, and all that and, 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 and your address and all that and the, 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 to send the card to a specified address, uh, which is a false address, uh, a specified address. Now, it's a fake website and it, it, they'll ask you then to give the PIN number and the car number and all that. No bank will ask you that and send back that car number. So it's a... It's another scam that's doing the rounds at the moment. Yeah, and yeah. there seemed to be a bit of an increase uh, with those fraudsters during uh, the COVID-19 and, and during lockdown. And that's been reported worldwide. And unfortunately, something else that seems to be on the increase during lockdown is domestic abuse. And I know we've done interviews on it uh, here. Um, there, there has been an increase uh, of reported cases. They have, uh, Patricia. And I just start off by saying that over the past couple of months,
months, we've seen a, a noticeable increase in reported instances of domestic abuse. No doubt, uh, uh, Patricia, that the COVID uh, pandemic has increased that number of domestic abuse incidents throughout Ireland. However, it's important to note that COVID did not create domestic abuse, as domestic abuse, Patricia, has been there before COVID. Now, domestic abuse can take many different forms. It can be physical, it can be financial, emotional, sexual, psychological. And I'm quite well aware this morning, uh, Patricia, as I'm speaking there, that the victims, both male and females, are experiencing and living in abusive situations at present, and that there are victims who have experienced this in the, in the past as well. Uh, for those of you listening this morning who are experiencing or have has experienced domestic abuse, abuse, I would like to make you aware that there are supports available to you. Now, in fact, Patricia, just a, a statistic there, one in three women and one in seven men will experience domestic abuse. For those of you who are listening and, uh, 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 and are not experiencing domestic abuse yourself, but are aware of people who are, I would urge you to pass on the relevant supports to that person, because that's an important one as well, Patricia. Uh, we, the Gardaí, would encourage you to contact your local Garda station if you're experiencing domestic abuse. The Garda will listen, and based on information you provide, we'll be in a position to give you advice and information on how best to assist you. Uh, if you're experiencing an immediate threat, of course, Patricia, 999 should be dialed for help. And I'm also aware, Patricia, that some listeners will not feel comfortable or are too afraid, maybe, to contact the Garda. But again, rest assured, that there are a number of very good, helpful, confidential organisations available to, to help you. Now, a list of these organisations, uh, Patricia, we have uh, we, uh, a number of organisations. Geraldine, uh, my colleague here in the office, and myself have will send you on there to 103. And, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll put them up on our social on, media on, on uh, for you as mind. well. Because whenever I t- we, we talk about domestic violence, you know, I'm always aware of people being in very controlling situations where even to get to a phone to ring for help can sometimes uh, be difficult. And that's why a couple of weeks ago we did a, an interview, it was with the Women's Aid. Yes. Um, and they're talking about the, the Boots Chemist Shop. If, you're happen, if, you're, if you live near a Boots Chemist, every single Boots Chemist in Ireland have what's called a safe space. If someone goes in, identifies themselves to any member of staff, they're taken into a safe space. Now, nobody in Boots Chemist can offer you the help, but it gives you access to a phone so that you can ring someone, be it somebody like your good selves and on Garda Corner or one of the support groups. So it's just to let, you know, to let people know and you're backing it up by what you're saying today, James. There is help available. People need to reach out and, you know, you don't need to put up with that abuse. That's right, Patricia. And I think the key to this is like with mental health or any other thing that's out there, Patricia, the key to this is taking that first step. And I'm well aware this morning, and you've discussed before in your program, that there are people who would find it very, very difficult to take that first step for a number of, number of reasons. That's why I'm saying, now alone the Gardaí, this is a multi-agency approach that we have with all other organisations, voluntary and statutory organisations, Tulsa, etc. We're all working on this together. The whole idea is to try and get people that are afraid, and I have experienced that in my service throughout the service, that fear, there's a number of things going wrong in their head. Am I wrong? Is I, am I wrong? I, I remember one woman using the word shame to me one time, that she was going to be shamed and she couldn't tell anybody. So there's so many factors there. It's a very, very complex area. It's a very, very... And it, 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 unfortunately... Uh, as I said at the start, 
we do see a rise in domestic abuse and, and uh, it has been there before COVID, but COVID had, has added on to it. But the key yeah, position is get, taking the first step and making contact with somebody that can help you. OK, well done and uh, well said. Uh, James, listen, look after yourself and once again, uh, condolences to each and every one of the Gardaí, uh, in, uh, not just here in our own area, but right across the country on, on the death of one of your colleagues. But thank you for joining us and talking to us on the programme. Thank you very much, uh, Patricia. Good. I appreciate it and all your listeners as well. We appreciate it. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is Garda. James O'Mahony, who is based out of Bandon, Garda Station. This is Court Today. Court Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. If you have a pet question, get it into us, please, because Jane Pickett will join us after half past 12, our resident vet, answering all your questions, 1850-333-103, or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Actually, some texts and WhatsApps coming in with regard to dogs being stolen that we've been speaking about on the programme today. One listener says, Hi, Patricia, vets should do microchipping at a reduced rate that surely would help people on a limited income and make sure that every single animal in this country is microchipped because that certainly would help with dogs being stolen. And then Tess, one of our listeners, originally from Cork but now living in Jersey and she tunes in every day to us from Jersey. It's always great to have her along along, and she is a big dog lover and she has a beautiful dog, a cockapoo called Winnie. Uh, She sent on a photograph of him in in a WhatsApp a couple of weeks ago for the vet's actually gorgeous looking dog. But anyway Tess says, Patricia, it's so sad to hear about those beautiful dogs been stolen and they're soul mates to so many. I would be devastated says Tess if my dog was ever stolen or ever hurt. We came home at Christmas from Jersey to Ireland with our dog Winnie. I was shocked to see in Ross Lair there was no security and nobody checking the paperwork that we had brought with us to prove that Winnie was ours. We had to pay £450 because we had to get a rabies test and we had to get a passport for Winnie the dog. I wondered at the time why did we even bother? There was absolutely no checks either on entry or on departure. So I can easily see, says Tess, how easy it is to smuggle any animal in or out of this country. Uh, enjoying the show, thanking you some Tess. Isn't I, I'm really taken aback by that, uh, Tess, because we've dealt with pes- pet passports on the programme before, certainly on our vets slot. We've spoken, and normally it would be around this time of year with people considering bringing their, back in the day when people would be travelling in and out of the country, people would be considering bringing their dogs with them and would normally do a piece about pet passports. I thought that the pet passport, that the checks were as rigorous as the checks are for us as human beings, I thought you would have been queuing up with your beloved dog with the passport to prove that, that the dog has had the rabies test and that the dog is, is yours. So really taken aback uh, by that. Thank you for your text, Tess, and always good to have you tuned in to us. Let me go to Eleanor, who's in Carrigaline. Uh, good, good afternoon to you, Eleanor. Good afternoon. Eleanor, now you want to raise the issue of of paperwork with dogs. When I was saying to people when they're buying a dog, you know, make sure you've got the correct paperwork. Yes, you don't always get paperwork with animals. Um, If you have an IKC registered dog. Irish Kennel Club. Irish Kennel Club. Yeah. Always get paperwork with that because it has to be microchipped before it can be registered. Okay. And... You can also um, check in the local veterinary practice if you purchase a dog that the dog has been duly done. And you can also do that 
if you were purchasing a dog and somebody says to you, oh, I'm living in the middle of nowhere, etc., etc., and they don't have paperwork because most of the mixed breeds, which are very popular today, are making ferocious money on uh, social media and other places that they are um, purchasing them from. Uh, they're saying, oh, I'll meet you in car parks, etc. Yeah. But if you are anyway inclined to think that they don't have paperwork or they're giving excuses, you could ask for the dog to be taken to the local veterinary practice. Okay. And it can be checked in the local veterinary practice at no cost to have your dog checked to see if it is microwave and that way are micro microchipped and they use a scanner they'll scan the dog and the yes, microchip and the, shows up tell you the owner who yeah. the owner is yeah yeah, because you know, we've heard of people buying a dog and then it turns out the dog belongs to somebody else because when they check the microchip, but too yeah. late then they've handed over and as you say, it can be big, big money for some of those especially the designer ones. Those, yes, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. I was looking at a particular designer, so-called designer dog, in my day, because I'm in my 60s. Okay. In my day, they were called mutts. Okay. They're <laughs> called um, designer dogs. And they're making 15 and 1,600 euros at the moment. Whoa, cavachons, the whole lot. The labradoodles. And, yes, and the labradoodles will probably be make more. But if you're selling... Um, Purebred animal, first and foremost, they're not interested because the purebred animals have a lot more um, paperwork okay. and trail that you can follow if you want to, you know, make it sure that you're you're doing the right thing and purchasing from a reputable breeder, etc., etc. Whereas with the meeting in the car park or even if it has been advertised as a specific breed, you don't know that it is that specific breed You've your money handed over. End of story. You haven't checked out whether it's been microchipped. And I mean, by law, you're not supposed to sell an animal under eight weeks old that hasn't been microchipped anyway. Yeah, and outside of what's going on with this stealing the of of the dogs, there's also the other awful side of the dog industry, and that's the puppy farms. Yes, I I understand that as well, but. Like, irrespective of whether it's a puppy farm or not, by law, and I know everybody doesn't adhere to it, mm. you're not supposed to accept any dog. If you're in the purchase, process of purchasing a dog, you're not supposed to purchase a dog without it being microchipped. But a lot of people don't know that if you purchase a dog that sh- should be microchipped before you get it, that you then have to change the details because the dog would have been registered in the breeder's name or whoever you purchased the dog from. And there's another charge of 15 euro to do that. But they can, most people don't know that you have to do that. Mm. And definitely microchipping works. I mean, Chloe, who joined us earlier, she's on her way as we speak back to Tralee to yes, pick up, um, please God, all three of her dogs are there. But thank God that the dogs were microchipped. Yes, but the other thing that would make a good point as well is that, like, all the shelters and stuff like that, they yeah. have some beautiful animals because I have an animal myself from there. And, like, they have animals that are being handed in because people have gone into old age, can't look after them, they've been dumped on the side of the road, etc., etc. And, I mean, that's a very good option as well. And you get just as good a designer 
dog, dog. Yeah. in yeah. the animal shelters as what you would from some of these rogues. Yeah, they're now, all the, and they're genuine. The rescued animals. I mean, we 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 only heard from yesterday from, from the Gardaí in Cork. Twenty two dogs have been seized. They've ended up with the ISPCC. Yeah. Our PCA, and if they can't find who owns those dogs, they're going to go. They're going to be rescued. They're they're going and, to be dogs. And I can assure you, when this lockdown and all that sort of a situation has started out, um, a lot of these animals that have had large portions of money paid out for them, they're going to be abandoned on the streets as well oh. because people have begun back to work and yeah. they won't have time, and the children have begun back to school and they'll have lost interest, and you know a lot of other things that circumstances will have changed and they'll be back up on social media, internet, etc, etc trying to get rid of them or end up in the shelters anyway. Yeah, or dumping them which is the worst thing. You know know your dogs, Eleanor. Have you always had dogs? Yes, I have. have. All right, you're a dog lover. I'm a real dog lover. Dogs are my life. Are they? they? And, And what kind of dogs do you have at the moment? Uh, I'd rather not say. Okay, go all right. Okay, <laughs> but a you lot of publicity and the all right. And okay, the and but stuff you, like that. But, but okay, but, dogs, but, yes, but you've always you've always had dogs and a rescued dog, Eleanor. Whenever we talk about rescued dogs, you always hear from people. It's almost like the dog knows I've been given a second chance here, and there's yes, nothing well, like the bond between a rescued dog. I can, I can talk about that specific dog. I got it from the ISPCA in Mahon. Yeah, it was a Bichon. Freeze. Okay. Uh, he's about 12 now at this stage. So he's going into his later years, but never has given me a, a day's trouble in my in, in my life. But initially when I got him in the ISPC day, they were going to put him asleep and it was a long weekend. And I went to see the animal and initially it was in such a bad state I didn't want to take it and they were very lacking of funds at the time. But anyway, to cut a long story short, I took the animal for the weekend and then I eventually um, fostered it for the weekend and then I took it permanently uh, on after the long weekend because it was facing going back into the shelter and um, possibly being pushed to sleep. But it would have got a bit of extra time because it had been taken out uh, for the weekend. It would have got a little reprieve in going back in. But I actually fallen in love with the dog while I had it out. So a couple of weeks later, a friend of mine said, would I go to um, a fun dog show up in Tipperary? Well, again, out to cut a long story short, I did. And put the dog in. And I put the dog up on the counter to the, to the, the judge that was there and... I won my class and then I put him up on the, the thing we went in for best in show and put him up on the table and the man said to me, um, do you know what you have here? Because I t- put him into the rescue section and I said, I do. It's a Bichon freeze. And he said, I know it's a Bichon freeze, but it's cross quality Bichon freeze. Whoa. <laughs> so did it win best in show? It didn't get got reserved best in show because he had some slight little thoughts that I hadn't picked up on. Oh, that's okay. but it, it, he went on. He's retired now. I go to some of the fun shows. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I went to subsequent fun shows and fell in love with 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 dog show and and the 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 whole social aspect of that side of things. They really are. Uh, they really are your life. They really have been your life. Uh, and that's all gone, of course, at the moment, isn't it? With COVID nineteen, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's all gone. But I, I mean, you don't you don't 
you don't do that to dogs just for showing. No, absolutely dogs not. Life, absolutely no not. Listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you and you're a mine of information. We'll know where to go when we need any information to do with uh, with uh, with dogs for sure. Uh, Eleanor, thank you for that. And, uh, thank, and thanks for joining us. Uh, bye-bye, Eleanor in uh, Carrigaline, 1850-333-103. Stay on dogs because Alma was on to us. She lives out in the countryside and there's since lockdown there's lots more people out walking and, and everybody accepts that and it's great to see so many people out exercising. But Alma now has a problem. She has a driveway leading into her house and she said for what Whatever reason, when people are walking their dogs, she's noticed a lot of people because she's in a country area. A lot of people are leaving their dogs off the leads, which even in a country area, our roads are busy. It's kind of a stupid thing to be doing. But anyway, she's noticed that the dogs end up rambling up her driveway, doing their business, and then they run off again. And she's left with to tidy up the mess. And she also says it's unfair on the postman and other people who are delivering into her house, who who will who she feels may think it's her own dogs that are doing it, and she never allow her own dogs to be soiling the driveway like that. But she wants to know, are others noticing that, that since lockdown, lots of people out walking their dogs in the countryside and they don't, whatever about, they may clean up after their dogs if they're in a town area or in an urban area for fear that they're going to be seen if they don't clean up after their dogs. But when they take an animal out into the countryside, it's as if she can leave him off, the dog can do what he likes. And Alma Alma feels very unfair because her driveway is getting destroyed with other animals doing their business. So please clean up after your dog is... uh is is the message from uh, Alma eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three? Somebody's just seen a van in Gary Vaux. Is that the van we were talking about? the The white van with the zero zero ten zero Y. If it is, would you contact your local guard the station, please? If that is the the van we've been talking about, and there's community text alerts gone out about it. It's a white van. It's ten zero Y is the registration number, James. Uh, spoke about it on our Garda file as well and they believe that it may be involved in the stealing of dogs in the area so if anybody has spotted that just get onto your Garda station uh, straight away uh, please Anne says my dog was stolen and the dog was my my daughter's dog was stolen my apologies Anne and the dog was microchipped microchipped never got the dog back yeah I mean it's not an absolute guarantee if your dog is microchipped but there's a chance you have a better chance of your dog been reunited with your dog if it's microchipped. Remember a couple of years ago we spoke with somebody whose dog had been gone for a couple of years and they got a phone call from England that the dog had been picked up wandering around a town in England and when it was taken to a local vet's and microchipped the number that popped up on it because obviously between Ireland and England we all share the one database and it turned up with an address here in Cork somewhere in Cork City and they got the dog back and they'd been missing for a good few years but because it had been microchipped it did eventually make its uh, way home. 1850-333-103 and a listener and my apologies this came in earlier I'm only getting around to it now says Hi Patricia my health insurance is up for renewal in, uh, in August my question is, should I renew or not? It's going to be months before private care returns to heretofore as normal. And there are rules if you leave and return. But is that fair in the pleasant, present climate? Says a Kerry listener. The, yeah, OK, we know all of the private, anyone with private health care, basically your private health care was almost null and void because the private hospitals went into the care of the HSC. Now, this is the last month of it, June, and then the private hospitals will all start to return to normal. But I know even back when it, they came under the control of the HSC, it would have been April, May and June, it was three months when they came under the control. I remember we did a piece 
with uh, Dermot Good, who's the guy who's our go-to guy from Total Healthcare whenever we want to do anything to do with health insurance uh, we always be on Dermot Good and I remember that question came up of people saying why am I paying my health insurance this is people who pay a monthly most of us pay our health insurance monthly people were saying why pay the premium others were saying you know if they were due for renewal I think I'm going to cancel and his advice was not to at the time uh, because the danger is you break your cover and then when you go back and you want to get private health insurance again, you're starting all over again and it could be very, very expensive. So that's always been the advice. I know most of the, if not all of the private health insurance companies are giving money back. Now it's been varying amounts. I know, for example, we're with Leia and there would be three of us on it, myself, my husband and we've got Marsha on, on the health insurance as well. And it's a, it's 195 euro a month we've been getting back for the three months and then it will stop because the private hospitals will go back. So would would would, would I, I, when I I can't advise you whether to renew or not. My gut instinct would be to not, uh, to renew, do not, do not cancel. I know, and I know it's galling and I know it feels like we were paying money for nothing every time the premium went out and, and let's be honest, private health insurance is not cheap costs a lot of money and there are many people struggle every month to get the premium together in order to pay for their private health insurance but it does give you peace of mind but the only thing is it's the the three month period where the private health private hospitals have gone under the remit of the HSE is uh, coming to uh, an end 1850 333 103 our lines are open John, Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. We are in particular looking for your pet questions along. You can text or WhatsApp them as well to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Carrick Tuhill GAA Club are holding an event called Come On Till Dawn. It's a sunset marathon. It's happening this Saturday, the 20th of June, from 7pm to 10pm. Representatives from the Camogie, Ladies Football, Juvenile and Adult Clubs will run in relays doing six, seven-kilometre loops of the village of Carrick Tuhill. It's to raise awareness for mental health and to fundraise for Pieta House. More information on Carrick Tuhill GAA Club website and Facebook pages. And the Luke O'Mahony will run his first full marathon in Cove on this Saturday. It's made of the Fun Bar Challenge. Now, the Fun Bar Challenge is for Cliff Lip and Palette Association of Ireland. 56 of his friends have also undertaken challenges and there are now 55 challenges set to take place in 20 different countries on this Saturday. You can donate through the Facebook page. Uh, which is Fun Bar Challenge on Facebook. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And keep your pet questions coming, please. Hi, Patricia. Would you please tell people not to buy dogs from breeders? Go to a rescue centre. There are so many gorgeous, gorgeous dogs only waiting for a forever home uh, in all of the rescue centres and the animal charities all over the country. Nobody says uh, this texture should make money out of any animals. By the way, I'm out looking for that white van. God, I hope I'll find it. (laughs) 
Well, Tom, there's Mr. Driving around looking to see. don't approach the white van, whatever you do, if you do, if you do see it, just uh, get the information in uh, to the Gardaí as quickly as uh, possible. Okay, some of your other texts coming in. Dave says, morning, Patricia. With regard to dog passports, now this is picking up on Tess, who contacted us from Jersey Island, who was really taken aback when she travelled over, I think, I don't know, was it last year, with her animal and couldn't, with her beautiful dog and couldn't believe that she had paid all of the money to get the rabies test and the passport and she said there was no checks either coming or going between Ireland and uh, Jersey and she was really taken aback and she wondered why she'd gone to all of the bother when nobody checked to see that she had all of the paperwork and she said it also struck her how easy it was to smuggle an animal in and out of the country if there's nobody checking. Well listen to Dave's story. Dave with regard to, to pet to dog passports. Now, whether this is just governing greyhounds, I don't know. Dave says, when I send a greyhound out of Ireland, I must have a passport. I need to have his microchip cert, a fitness to travel vet cert, a Department of Agriculture cert. The vehicle transport must be certified. Full details of the new owner must be provided. The port securities check everything and rightly so, says Dave. The same should apply to all animals. This would make it very difficult to pass on stolen animals or cats and dogs, uh, etc., which which is true. But am I right in thinking that when these scurrilous gangs steal dogs and the ones that they're going to sell to the country, they have them hidden in, in crates or something, do they, in the, in the back of vans, even though you would assume that they'd start barking. They wouldn't all be quiet, but maybe they drug them. I, I don't know. I mean, they're probably not declaring that they've got a van full of dogs, but it's good to know that for the transportation of greyhounds, that it's very, very uh, strictly monitored. We were talking about dog fouling and dog dirt because Alma has noticed dogs coming up the driveway of her house out in the countryside and doing their business and no owner coming and cleaning up after the dog. Um, hi, Trisha, love your programme. Thank you very much. Uh, just to say, there's a lot of dog dirt on the main street in Charleville. It is a, a disgrace. I've seen a number of posts actually up on Facebook of, and maybe it's to do with more and more people out walking their dogs. Not everyone is cleaning up after their dogs, unfortunately. And I don't know whether it's just got worse during lockdown or not, but certainly I've seen people post on Facebook giving out about various towns and villages where they seem to have noticed an increase in uh, dog fouling. Uh, Tom in Glamour, I know nothing of this, says, uh, hi, just wondering, who authorised the increase of 30 cent on a pack of cigarettes? I don't smoke cigarettes, so I didn't know they were going up at 30 cent. I did a quick Google search. I can't see anything that was official. The last increase in cigarettes would have been in the budget last October, and they would have gone up from midnight, which they always do. The last time we did anything on the programme discussing anything to do with cigarettes would have been in May when the menthol cigarettes were banned for sale in Ireland. But I haven't and I can't. I've done a quick Google search and nothing has come up for the price of cigarettes going up. Have, has others noticed that? Because they can't. A shop can't just decide. There's set prices on cigarettes unless it's something that's coming from the tobacco industry themselves that they're putting up the price of cigarettes. I, I would ask in the shop, Tom, when you're next buying your pack of cigarettes, but Tom said he paid an extra 30 cent for a pack of 20. Have others noticed uh, that? Hi, Patricia. Is there any chance that you could give out that little 10-year-old boy's address for the birthday cards? I can, and thank you for reminding me. This is young Daniel O'Sullivan. In He's 22, Meadow Green, the Meadows in Holly Hill. He's the little boy who is awaiting a double 
lung transplant. We spoke with his mum a couple of uh, weeks ago, his mum, Deirdre, uh, because he's 10 and it's a milestone uh, birthday for him in that he was very, became very, very unwell because he picked up, weirdly enough, a virus when he was a very, very small baby and it's led to him having... In need of uh, double lung uh, transplant, and he goes around with oxygen. And there had been great plans for his tenth birthday because the family never thought that this little boy would reach such a milestone of, of his tenth birthday. And there was great plans to have a big celebration, but obviously COVID nineteen arrived on our shores. And for a child with a lung complaint, you could imagine the panic within the family. And he ended up actually in hospital just as the pandemic started, and had to have part of his lung uh, removed. But he's home and he's battling on, and he's a right little soldier. So his mum. Deirdre was trying to think of what can I what can we do just to make the birthday a little bit special and she came up with a birthday card appeal and she joined me on the radio and we spoke about it and she was asking listeners if you'd consider buying a birthday card or maybe making a birthday card it doesn't matter and just pop it in the post and send it to Daniel O'Sullivan 22 Meadow Green the Meadows in Holly Hill in Cork and his birthday is on the 24th of June so his birthday is next week so you have a few more days left to send a card to uh, Daniel and she just said it would really really cheer him up and actually Olivia Kelleher picked up on it and she did she did a gorgeous piece in the Irish Examiner and on one of the days and what date um, that was a couple of weeks the following week after we spoke with Deirdre anyway she, Daniel appeared on the front page of the Irish Examiner gorgeous picture uh, early birthday boy it was uh, it was called and he was surrounded by a bunch of cards that are, had already arrived and it doesn't look like he's opened any of them he's keeping them until the 24th of uh, June so next week so you have a few days left because I know a lot of people contacted us looking for the dress and was planning to do it but you know one of those things your best of intentions and then it goes out of your head so you still have time if you'd like to send young Daniel a birthday birthday card in Holly Hill 22 Meadow Green the Meadows Holly Hill a simple enough address to uh, remember and thank you to whoever sent in that text looking for the address I'm assuming you want to send a card but thank you because it gave me the opportunity uh, to uh, give it another mention Hi Patricia just want to know if you are staying in a hotel for a night away will you be able to have a couple of drinks in the bar after your, your meal? Uh, yeah, I, I, my gut instinct would say yes, like the residence lounge, perhaps. But you see, the hotels are opening with the bars, aren't they, on the 20th of July. I know hotels will open on the 29th, the restaurant side of it. And then the hotels will open with the bars on the 20th of July. They're still waiting on full clarification because the pubs are certainly waiting on clarification on the one metre rule and what's a bar going to look like. My instinct would say, certainly if it's after the 20th of July, that yes, you you should be okay because obviously if the two hours remains in the restaurant, you'll be leaving your the table where you've had your meal and then obviously headed to the bar if you're in a hotel. I imagine there'll be a residence lounge and will that be different to the main main um, bar uh, what I would suggest if you are if you have booked or are booking have a chat and, and ask them but my instinct would say from the 20th of July uh, yes you will be able to and then listener also same listener wants to know when 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 will the hairdressers open and actually almost at the same time somebody came in any update on the barbers and when they're opening Patricia they're still the 20th of July I know there's still a push on to have them open on the 29th of June along with the opening up of the restaurants but there's still no word coming through I think a lot a lot has happened this week 
to get the restaurants open and to have everything in place for the restaurants. And let's not forget that the government's attention is more towards forming a new government. So I'm not saying that the focus has gone off COVID-19, but certainly a lot of what they're now doing is in discussions of trying to get the programme for government passed the Fianna Fáil party, the Fianna Gael party and the Green party. So I've heard nothing and and seen nothing online about hairdressers. We were expecting to hear something this week, even though I did mention earlier when I was mentioning Dr Tony Houlihan that Neffet are meeting today in order to decide how we move out of the next phase of COVID-19. So I'm assuming hairdressers will get mentioned in that and then they will give their advice to the government. But we have another, we have the we have the 29th. So we have another week. We're in this, in the phase we're in now. What are we in phase two? It's hard to get all the phase. We're in phase two. We're coming to the end of the second week of phase two. So we have another week of this. So it'll be tomorrow week that the government will be announcing what's going to happen on phase four, which will be the one on the 20th of of July. But will we hear anything about hairdressers before that? Hairdressers, barbers and beauticians are hoping that we'll hear something before that. But as of now, no, I don't. If it's an update you're uh, looking for, I don't have an update for you. 1850 Hi, Patricia. It's the cigarette companies that put up the increases to the cigarettes. They actually do it a few times a year. It's not the shops. OK, thank you for that. It's the industry themselves. So hence the reason with, uh, was it, who was it? No, it was, uh, Tom and Glamour. So it's the tobacco companies themselves that have put it up. Put it up, and obviously, if they put it up, then the shops have no choice but to put it up. But it isn't extra taxation, even though the majority of a packet of cigarettes uh, that goes up in smoke, uh, it goes in in taxation. But this is nothing to do with the government. So it's the industry themselves have put up the price of a packet of cigarettes. If you're heading out to buy your packet of cigarettes, have an extra thirty euro in your purse or your wallet because you're going to uh, need it. 1850-333-103 Let's take a break We are going to come back with Jane Pickett our resident vet Still time for you to get your questions in You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Court today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 0862-103-103 Ok and a couple of calls and texts in on dog fouling Mary said I live in Cork City and it's absolutely awful the amount of dog fouling all over the footpaths listening to you talking about dog fouling in country areas it's not just in country areas says our Mary who's right in the middle of the city and said it's as bad there as well and Alyssa said I met my friend we went for a walk in Donnerell social distancing of course and it was great but the amount of dog poo that was around I seemed to be jumping every minute saying to my friend watch out there mind your step oh my goodness watch what you're doing it was actually breaking up our chat it was so bad and sure enough I stood in a big pile I was wearing canvas runners and they were destroyed. I ended up having to drive home with one shoe on and one shoe uh, off. Please, folks, will you clean up after your dogs? And somebody else says, why don't the council put out more bins for dog poo? And that might encourage people to clean up after their dogs. Let's stay on animal issues because Jane Pickett, our resident vet from the Island Wood um, Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. And how are you today? 
Oh, I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? I'm very good. We've been talking actually a lot about animals today because we were talking about stolen animals and how important it is to microchip with one of our listeners' dog stolen and got a phone call this morning. She's on her way back to Tralee because her dog has been located mm-hmm. in uh, Tralee. So microchipping is vital. It really is. And I think particularly in the last few days, we've had a real upsurgence. I know stealing of dogs is an ongoing problem um, and it tends to come in waves, but the storms actually cause a major issue. So I know there's been a lot of thunder and lightning in the last few days. Um, We do always get a spike of dogs going missing and dogs being found after that um, because obviously they get scared, they run away. And, you know, it's a real lifesaver for them when we can scan them. If they're presented to us as a vet or to the guardie, they'll always be scanned for a microchip. And it's it's a real happy moment of relief a sigh of relief when you when you scan the dog and the microchip number pops up and you know you'll be able to reunite that pet with its owner really really quickly and safely and, and there'll be no more worry and it's a real heartbreak when you scan that dog and there's no chip because your your heart just drops because you know that it's going to be uh, you know that dog's gonna to have to be really lucky to get back to its owner and it's really heartbreaking so i think it's a simple quick cheap procedure um, it can be done just in a normal consultation so contact your vet if your dog isn't chipped to get them done ASAP and the one thing I'd say is if you do move house or if you do change your phone number just remember to contact your chip database and if you're not sure who that is speak to your local vet and they'll be able to help you out to find out just to update your details because we do occasionally find that when we try and ring the number associated with with a chip to try and reunite pets that it might be an out of date number or an out of date address so just make sure that if you're moving around or changing your phones that you do update the database Yeah because um, Anne in Mallow was on to say exactly what you were saying not all dogs were stolen on two occasions recently we had two dogs ended up in, in our yard uh, they, we got them checked at the vet's they were microchipped thank God it turned out they, one of them belonged to a neighbour mm-hmm. living nearby it was the thunder and lightning. The dogs got spooked and ran, ran uh, away. And all do- all vets will be able to scan a dog. Isn't that Absolutely, the case? Yeah. 100%. Okay. Yeah, and it's, it's not something that's charged for. We okay. just do it because we want to see everybody reunited. Okay, your namesake, Jane, has a dog. Not sure the age, but not very young. Um, he, But he started to present with constipation. Any ideas why it would be happening in an older dog? And is there anything she can do to help relieve the constipation? Yeah, there's a few things that could be going on here. It's like ourselves, sometimes a change in diet uh, or a change in hydration. So if we're not drinking as much, the poo can get quite dehydrated and hard to pass. Or if our diet has changed a lot. So if your dog was previously eating soft food, which is kind of has a bit of fluid in it, that's going to produce a softer stool than, let's say, a full hard diet would do. Sometimes that can be the problem and just the change doesn't suit the dog, but sometimes it can be other things associated with older age. So sometimes we see dogs that uh, become constipated and it can because be because of a problem in, in the colon or the, the last bit of the gut where it's not moving things through as quickly as it used to. But sometimes it can be other really simple things. Something as simple as that they've got a little bit of arthritis in their back legs and maybe they're a little bit stiff and, and creaky and they're, if they're kind of having to squat to poo, that might be a little bit sore. So they might be avoiding it, holding that poo in there and it might become a little bit difficult to pass later I think either way well done for recognising it um, it sounds like a problem you need to, to get checked over by your vet so consult them discuss the history with them discuss the diet and any habits or changes that you might have noticed in your older pet and I'm sure they'll get to the bottom of it Okay, Anne-Marie has a Jack Russell that every year suffers from uh, hay fever. Now, she has drops from the vet and the drops were, were helping, but the, it, it, one eye is still weeping, the other eye has cleared up. Will it, will it just clear up itself or does she need to go back and get more drops? 
I'd probably pop back to your vet to get more drops. If it's a, an annual issue, it's like ourselves, sometimes we can just be allergic to something out there in the ether and it's very difficult to pin down what it is, then it may just require ongoing treatment for your vet. But I think it's really important to communicate with us as vets as part of the team because uh, sometimes there could be more complex things going on, like a little scratch on the surface of the eye um, that might go unnoticed if you don't report back to your vet if the issue isn't resolving. So have a chat with them and they'll be able to guide you best. Is, is, but it's hay, the dog's been diagnosed with hay fever. Is that common? So it can be that we can diagnose dogs with uh, an allergy. So sometimes it's it's very very similar to let's say a hay fever in humans. Um, and sometimes they can manifest with an allergy with itchy skin. That'd be by far the most common thing we would see. But sometimes it can be runny eyes, yeah. very much like in humans. So we're all a little bit different, and our pets are all a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it can be difficult to pin down. But I think yeah, communication with your vet is vital in this one, and get get the pet nice and comfortable and sorted. Okay, Anya in Yall has an 11-year-old Labrador with what looks like scaly skin just on one leg. The fur has fallen out. What could that be? Scaly skin. Oh, scaly skin on one foot. That's an interesting one. Okay, so I think first things first, I would just tackle the simple things. Make sure you're up to date with your flea mite lice treatment. So depending on the product, it could be due from monthly to every three months. So discuss with your vet what you normally have and the frequency at which it should be administered. Because parasite disease is really, really uh, high up the list on diseases that cause kind of itchy, scaly skin or hair loss. It's interesting that it's on one leg and not the rest of the body. And that would make me a little bit concerned that maybe it's been in contact or had a bit of a rash or an infection on that particular leg that hasn't spread to the rest of the body. Um, I think again, if it's just a, if it's that the area is irritated and there's a lot of hair loss, I think that's definitely something that warrants a visit to the vet because it is particularly unusual that it's just one leg. I think sometimes again, thinking laterally, it might actually be the skin that's the problem. Again, very similar to our constipated dog. Sometimes dogs can react and it can look like something else when it might even just be a source of pain. And if they're licking at the area, it might be an indication that they might have joint pain or something like that. But your vet will be the best person to examine, examine the limb, examine the skin and figure out what the problem is and get you a solution. Okay, and advice for Betty, she's taken in a stray cat uh, who she now believes has fleas. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, my heart goes out to you. <laughs> it's really tough to solve a flea infestation in a cat, but it can, it can be done. It just takes a little bit of commitment. So it's really important for your cat to have three months at least um, of continuous flea treatment. It, given that some of the eggs that can be produced by cat fleas are super, super resistant. They're almost like little bomb shelters in a way. They're so resistant to cleaning in the environment that you will need to treat and have regular treatment for over a year with a preventative measure. The important thing is to speak to your vet, confirm that it is fleas, get appropriate treatment, but also you will need to treat your environment. So if the cat is in the house, put everything that it kind of comes in contact with regularly, so it's bed or any nice blankets, put them on a hot wash and that's to try and kill off the eggs. As well as that, make sure that you kind of clean down and hoover any carpeted areas because the eggs can live there as well. And your vet will probably prescribe you an environmental spray as well. So there is a spray that we would use in a well-ventilated area to spray all of the hot spots. So anything anything warm and cozy where your cat, cat would be near, like skirting boards, 
carpets um obviously test the spray first to make sure it's not going to destroy everything but they will need to be sprayed with a flea killer so that it will kill the eggs and you won't just get a problem where the the cat might be cured of the fleas but then a happy little flea will hatch out and just hop back onto the cat and start the problem all over again so it's a tough one contact your vet but um perseverance will get you there and prevention is definitely much easier than curing it and those i mean spot-ons have come on so much haven't they when oh absolutely controlled. yeah yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important to think about, I suppose, the quality of your spot on that you're using. Um, there's a variety of products on the market. And I suppose the ones I would stand by are the ones that we as vets would sell uh, or pharmacies because we would have access to the drugs that we know are really effective at killing the fleas and really safe for the pet. Um, there's lots of other ones on the market in other places that may not have gone through the same rigorous testing that the products that we would have access to um, would have done. So I think if you want to make sure that you're preventing it or even treating an infestation, it's really important to get a really high quality product. Um, so that's my, my one my one word of advice. <laughs> and you, uh, you wouldn't be a fan of the collars, the flea collars? Um, no, not necessarily. So there's really only one brand of flea collar on the market, and I'm not even sure it's available in this country at present, um, that has a, a product that's, let's say, tested to the rigorous standards that we would we would feel as vets or in a pharmacy that we would be able to stock. They are available in other outlets, but they don't, let's say, have the more modern ingredients that we know are really, really safe for pets or are really effective. And being effective is the main problem with those. And as um, you say, they don't when, work. When, you, when you get an infestation, it's trying to get rid of it can be the problem so it's to it's to, yeah. it's to nip it in the bud but uh, well done to Betty for yeah. taking in that stray cat and more than likely Indeed. yes it has come with fleas listen have a great yeah. week um, Jane look after yourself and we'll talk next Thursday you too thank Thanks you for that bye bye Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group uh, joining us as always on a Thursday that's where we wrap it up for today my thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for taking your calls Nick is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you for the final one of the week would you believe another week rolling by tomorrow at 10 at the Line Patricia Messenger Very good afternoon you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.